Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to Podcast 111. I'm Dan Moylan with me, Michael Normanson. Hello. And Moscow White. Daniel Chapman's here. Hello. With you straight after the whole game. We've come from Ellen Road straight to the studio. So we've got instant reaction coming your way from that game in just a second or two. Before we get into that, uh, we've got the New Year Games preview coming up for us in QPR towards the back end of the podcast. We'll look at heroes and villains from this last week and deal with those Christmas games in a moment. Issue six of our fanzine, look out for it coming out versus Derby on the Friday night. And if you fancy spending a little bit of your uh, your Christmas money, grab yourself some winter clobber on our website. Jumpers hoodies, t-shirts available there. You can find that at thesquareball.net. And if you want to support this podcast, get yourself a digital subscription, pound a month, and you get all the good stuff. Well, this wasn't the way that we wanted to end the Christmas period, was it? Coming into the studio disappointed but off the back of those two sensational games against Villa and Blackburn here straight after Hull how we're feeling about everything is it is it going to be all right I'm glad we're safe yeah if we carry on like this then I don't see a happy outcome to 2019 Christmas essentially ruined Villa and Blackburn may as well not have happened pointless pointless exercises all that drama for what was it matches click said we need to, we we could do without all this drama. stress yeah. i think he, it was too much stress as well went through all that and what have we got at the end of it nothing because we lost to hull we did lose to hull and inevitably it was bowen who scored the two goals after being linked with us through the week that was mm. written in the stars wasn't it the peter swan derby always uh, disappointing to to lose that trophy the old peter swan shield uh i don't know what you'd give but a carpet really if you if you know your Leeds United eighties history and the uh, the case of the defecated rug, which apparently Peter Swan was furious about for years, I'm not sure if it's ever been revealed who actually did. It was the Phantom Shitter. I think it may still be a mystery, but Peter Swan certainly. I'll look forward. To, well, I won't look forward to reading his comments in the whole Daily Mail about this match. But he is a very bitter Leeds hating bastard, which seems to have transmitted to this Jared Bowen character, who I'd never heard of until he was linked with us for a multi million pound January move in the week. And then for some reason, as soon as he scored his first goal and went running past the cop with his hand to his ear, I thought, well, you can get away with that if you're Chris Wood, but I don't think we're going to sign Jared Bowen now, unless it's so we can put him in stocks and throw fruit and vegetables at him. He looked quite expensive as well. Quite good. Like he'd, like they'd ask for more than £200. He wasn't as good as the 14 on the other wing who ended up, he got Janssen booked for trying to make him go off the pitch faster at the substitution, lashed out. He was called something like Gazitsky or something, but he's wearing 14. Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky, that was him. And he went and uh, after Janssen had shoved him off the pitch, he went and uh, sat next to the bench with his hockey stick, blocking the view of everybody behind him and the, the whole staff were having to go like... This is only going to get worse if you don't move. I don't know. I don't. I didn't like Hull. I didn't like anything about them. I didn't like the way uh, Nigel Atkins jumped in the air celebrating their second goal. I found it vulgar. You wouldn't catch Marcello Bielsa doing that. In fact, they almost turned me into Dean Smith. They're not winning the league, Hull. They've just they've beaten Leeds. And as we're going to find out in 2019, beating Leeds is easy. <laughs> now stop it. We're riding the crest of a wave after Villa and Blackburn. So let's... Uh, Get back on that surfboard. No, and we, we landed on the beach like a yeah. big fat whale. Smashed into a load of rocks. Yes. <laughs> Hull-shaped rocks. What went wrong today? Centre and midfield, I thought. Lots of off days. Pablo misplaced passes many times, which is not really his thing. Klitsch was just a little bit behind. Scuffing shots. Forshaw 
not particularly getting involved. Gave the ball away cheaply for their first, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, just not not much in there and a couple of sloppy defensive errors. They weren't great. They didn't really, it's not like they created a lot of chances, but they just scored when they had them. But it's just one of those things, isn't it? Like this league, you can kind of, anybody can lose to anybody on their day. If you, It's like when we had Paul Heckingbottom in charge, we did still win some games and we didn't deserve to. We were terrible. Like we just, we literally just 11 men turning up and sometimes that's enough to win a game. I think we played a lot better than Hull. We just didn't ever get the ball into their box to score a goal. I think that was probably their plan though, which equates to them playing well. Yeah, I suppose so, defensively. <laughs> and then we uh, fell into the trap of getting lazy in midfield. I didn't really notice it with Click in the first half, but straight after half time, it looked like he he was still having a nap and never woke up just giving the ball away. And then, yeah, it was definitely for sure for their second one. And then Barry Douglas got beat too easily around the outside by Gretzky. And they're not sure what happened in the middle. Couldn't quite work out what, what went on. Although we've got a very clear view of what happened in the middle for the first one when Calvin Phillips, I know we we like to compare him to Maldini and Perlo and it's true, but I don't think either of those would have attempted to pass in the midst of a goal mouth scramble mm. from their four yards from their, old, their own goal line, aiming it inside their own penalty area. Just hoof the ball out of play. And was, vulgar, uh, but sometimes necessary. Definitely. And I don't think he would have got a fine off of Bielsa. I don't, I, we've not heard his post-match uh, press conference. Perhaps Bielsa has come out and said, yes, that's exactly what I tell him to do, <laughs> is to pass it to a, an opposition attacker in our penalty area. So it should, if it hadn't been for a couple of mistakes, nil-nil, and then we might have snuck it. But the problem we have is once a team like Hull take a lead, and especially a 2-0 lead, uh, we're kind of, well, we did all right against Aston Villa, I suppose. Hull did a lot of good work as well. With They'd obviously watched us play a lot and when we had goal kicks and things, they were very tightly marking our full-backs and there were people pushing on to mark centre-backs so we were having to kick it long. And then once it went long, it's into our little midfield and attack and it meant they could win headers. And I know you're saying you didn't think they played well, but I thought they set up very well against us. Yeah, and I don't count that as playing well. I count that as <laughs> negative. It's not in the, the spirit of, of football. You no. go out to win, not to stop the opponent. I think they're called tactics. Nah, I'm not interested. Which explains why we're talking shit in a studio. And- can you, but can you imagine Nigel Adkins like, instructing them all on that in front of his fucking flip charts? That's the difference. You'd be inspired by whatever Bielsa is, is telling you, but that guy just going... Because one of the things they were doing, the player that Janssen was uh, marking went and stood way out of the way on free kicks of the Kabuddy behind him. And it's all just boring. I know it wins your games, but it's boring. Do you think he uses flip charts or do you think he's progressed onto an OHP now with like a laser pointer maybe? Just poetry. Just just recites poems, do them mainly, I think. Just really bad poems. Do you remember he's famous for that man I mean, in the yeah, mirror yeah. thing? But it's fine anyway. It's fine, isn't it? Because Michael, we spoke in previous podcasts recent to this one. You can lose games in this division and you will lose games in this division, but you can still go up. And ultimately... We didn't lose any ground to Norwich, thanks to Frank Lampard's Derby County. Frank Lampard's Derby County. Thank you. For- earlier, on, earlier on, I noticed you just called them Derby County, which is did I? Oh, sorry, in, which is incorrect. Ah, that's a. I believe there's a fine. That disrepute charge coming yeah. my way for that. Sean Harvey, will have you. And West Brom gained a point on us, but actually, do you know what? Given that we've had a bad day at the office, it's turned out all right, hasn't it? The last podcast we said we said six points across these three games would be all right. It's just a little bit disappointing to get to the third with six already there. It is annoying because I think there's part of this where it's like, yeah, to win eight in a row would be ridiculous. But then if you ignored the previous seven matches, just losing 2-0 to Hull, mm-hmm. it's just... They're in very good form. They're, no, they're not. They've won three, they're unbeaten in six. Now they've won four in a row, but that's not good form. Seven in a row is good form. So <laughs> we should have, you know, seven in a row versus four wins in a row. You do the maths. <laughs> Well, listen, game we should have won. No, we should. If we take twenty-one points out of every twenty-four, we'll be fine. Yeah, but I still feel sad. Christmas spoil. Take me back to when I was happy. What about let's say about twenty-third just before Christmas? Uh, yeah, I was pretty happy then. Which nicely teases up for the Aston Villa game. That was seamless. Love that. <laughs> uh, that was great, though, wasn't it? The the Villa game. And we asked, going into those games, would this be the the spell that sort of defined the season? And I think you've got to say, the Villa match and the Blackburn match, although we've come back down to earth today against Hull, those were season-defining games. And they've, do you think like they've reframed the season where now it is we are looking at promotion? <sighs> come on, know. just commit, commit to it. Commit to it. <laughs> I I'm, can't. I actually can't. I'm prepared to commit to it now. Go on record and say this is a promotion season for us. 
it's it's ours to lose now. Well, it, I mean, it is. We're top of the league. Yeah. yeah. So that's the key phrase, ours and to lose. I did think Blackburn and the Villa games, other teams watching it will be, will have that feeling of, well, Leeds going up then. Scum used to do it all the time, didn't they? You, they'd, they'd go behind and then you'd think they'll still win. Yeah. And then they would. And I think maybe we've hopefully got a bit of that about us now. Well, you did ask that question, do we have a bit of Ferguson's Man U about us in a previous podcast? And we, we do, based on these two games anyway. Those, well, ignoring Hull. <laughs> no, ignore Hull, yeah. Can we just pretend Hull didn't happen at all? Because it was going to be really happy. The Blackburn game was about as happy as I've ever been. In life? Probably, yeah. For a short period. Wife, childbirth? <laughs> ah, no, dreadful business. <laughs> You're not allowed to jump around and celebrate the way... When that stuff happens. Well, I was at the in-laws for the uh, for the Christmas period, so I missed the Blackburn game. And when we scored, because I was watching it on the Sky Sports app, when we scored, I was in the conservatory and ran through into the lounge. They weren't bothered. <laughs> so definitive scientific proof, if you like, then family not as important as Leeds United. Exactly, exactly. They did set everything up. Being top at Christmas, I think, is a big uh, psychological boost anyway. And doing it the way we did against Aston Villa, because... For some reason, and it's not really reflected in their league position, but I guess since they got rid of uh, Bruce and brought Dean Smith in, it was kind of seen as if we can do something against Aston Villa and go top. That's the big sign. And to do that against Aston Villa, and I'm still not entirely sure in retrospect what, how, what we actually did. We, ne- we were never it's actually crazy. playing that badly. We, no. I thought we were the better team throughout, really. It's just that they went in the lead, and we didn't change much other than Jack Clark. We just kind of kept playing in the exact same way. But it's Bielsa's reliance on process, isn't it? It's just keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. Eventually it'll pay off, and it did. And the fact we were able to do that with Leif Davis making his debut at mm. left-back, because it sounded like he'd, he'd had a bit of warning because Barry Douglas said he woke up sick and was trying to get ready for the match, and then 15 minutes before and just said, no, kids... Mor- morning sickness, another yeah. one. <laughs> kid's going to have to do it. But to be able to just stick a child in, in a team of children... And just everything to just keep on ticking. And he looked uh, he looked great from the start. I loved the way he was just like, he was lamping their winger all over the pitch. Whether it was, uh, he had a bit of that Morecambe grit in him, did Leif Davis. So all this stuff kind of adding up and then two goals down and then we just come back and we just do that anyway, play brilliantly. 2-2 would have been good in a way and to have sorted it out within 15 minutes of the second half starting was kind of tremendous and... Uh, Aside from winning it, really good game. And thrice now we've seen Jack Harrison start and thrice have him taken off for uh, for Jack Clark, who popped his cherry. Good for a teenager in that Villa game. He's a scary person to play against. He didn't make a meaningful contribution today because he, he sort of beat players several times, but it never the cross never got to anyone. It's just the sort of game it was. Mm. But you can see that fullbacks are just absolutely hate it. It touches the ball a ridiculous number of times, I've noticed. He's sort of he's constantly like toying with it under his foot. Like a sort of you know like people doing a warm up exercise and you can see defenders just like, oh shit, which way? Which way? <laughs> and he beats people all he beats people more or less every time. He needs to start, I think. Do you think at some stage? Jack Harrison is kind of suffering a little bit because of the player who replaces him every single game is so much better than him. Because I thought Jack Harrison first half against Hull. He did all right. He was all right. It was yeah, better than right. usual, but still, half time comes. We're going to bring on this kid who is going to um, have you on, and you'll just have to go back to your fifty thousand pound a week at Manchester City while this kid does everything we want. He was useless at, at Villa. I thought it was Harrison. Mm. He was by far the worst player on the pitch. Although I would, uh, it's maybe worth pointing out in this part to say, is that now three consecutive good games from Gianni Alioski? It is. He's done very well. I think far more effective on the right, and he far more. Yes, I think it was underrated earlier in the season when he he said I referred to it in the last pod that he uh, he's been playing out of position on the left, and it's kind of like I'm I'm doing my best, but it's not well like to play. And he has been doing his best all the time because work rate. I think everybody accepts that his work rate is never never really in question. But then he adds some something different about him on the right, gives him the confidence to go over to the left as well. One of the best things he did today was. Uh, Harrison lost the ball cutting in from the left. Alioski swooped on it from the right, took it over to the left wing and was like, right, I'll just be left wing for a bit because Harrison, you're clearly not good enough. And uh, (laughs) he was much more confident, much better. And those two factors of him playing out of position and also him playing an absurd amount of football over the last year or so, seems like he may have snapped out of it a bit in the last few games, which is very, very good because I like him, the little punts. And there was the there was the weird video that emerged of him on I think it was from Calvin Phillips 
Instagram account as well. After he after he sort of gnawed at the stomach of uh, Hernandez, yes, he seems to be doing the same thing to the edge of a swimming pool. Yes, he's an odd guy. I noticed today. I noticed today was before he takes corners, he kisses the ball as well. The Mm. little creep. (laughs) (laughs) He is one of the weirdest players we've had in a long time, and I think that's why I I enjoy his presence. I saw a brilliant tweet some time ago now. I can't remember who it was, so my apologies if you're listening. But it was something along the lines of you can sort of see that glint in his eye that he's done military service in the Balkans. Mm. Yes. He's been through much worse than this before. Probably perpetrated much worse than this before. (laughs) Oh, that's dark. I only meant like swimming pool japes. What was he doing in the swimming pool, by the way? It was hard to tell. He seemed to be, I've only watched it with sound off. He seemed to be sort of pulling himself up against the side of the pool and kind of rubbing himself against the tiles while... With his mouth open. I was going to say, because this follows hot on the heels of, did you ever see that viral video of the gentleman uh, being ejected from a swimming pool in Dubai? No. Who appeared to be pleasuring himself, uh, unawares of the fact that the side of the swimming pool was glass and you could see everything that he was doing. (laughs) He knew. (laughs) Of course he knew. I mean, jail in Dubai, probably want to dodge that one. Yes. I've not heard good things about it. The reviews are bad. Well, our Balkan prince being out on the right now means that Pablo's tucked into the hole left by Saez. Not good today, but great in the previous two games and loads of assists. Yeah, we shit today, though. Selling. <laughs> need to look, we need to look to move him on in January. We Play the kids. Have, throw the kids in. We can't have off days. Surely there's a, someone in the, in the reserves. I don't know. Will Huffer, play him there. I was thinking during the Blackburn game, kind of similar to the whole match in a way where we were struggling to break them down through the first half. It's like, is this the point where we start to regret Saez leaving? Tyler Roberts ended up at number 10 against Hull because we put Hernandez wide and he looked fine. I thought he was actually pretty good, but it's um, it's not that kind of unpredictability. Hernandez, because he's a, a winger by default, I think his his way of playing that number 10 role is to kind of go out to either side mm-hmm. and help from there, whereas Saiz would be much more dangerous through the middle. But as somebody once said to me, don't look at the method, just look at the results. And the Blackburn match, who else would have put that cross in, in the, the 94th minute? And they were rushing to the end of the Blackburn game. One of the beautiful things about Kemal Roots' winner was that we'd had four minutes of time were announced, added on. And I think it was 93 minutes and 50 seconds <laughs> yeah. when that ball came across. <laughs> so it's not even there for, for Tony Mowbray to say, well, I don't know where the referee got that extra time from. Is that... Yeah, no, 10 seconds, just in time. So all that happened after we'd scored was just to kick off and then... Well, the referee did did play about 94 and a half minutes, which given there were like three goals in injury time, pretty much, did seem, did seem a little bit surprising. In fairness to Tony Mowbray, he was far more gracious than Dean Smith was about the uh, the late winner. You've got to accept people are going to celebrate a last-minute winner. Dean Smith was a footballer. Surely he's been there himself. I think what you might have overlooked there, though, is the fact that he's a bitter bastard. Yeah. And what Tony Mowbray probably had to acknowledge is that his team had just celebrated the last-minute winner themselves. Their goalkeeper had run the entire length of the pitch, was giving it big licks in front of their uh, their fans. So he couldn't really say, oh, celebrating a last-minute winner is disgraceful when they had just done it, which really actually made the whole thing Mm. much, much sweeter. Everything about the Villa and Blackburn games really is unprecedented, especially apparently it's historically never happened that Leeds have scored two goals to win in injury time after the 90th minute just doesn't happen and to do two 90 minute plus victories in two consecutive matches both 3-2 both winning goals scored by the same player doesn't happen like it doesn't happen Mm. and so I think it's just topped off by the fact that it really pissed off a lot of people Blackburn's (laughs) goalkeeper Dean Smith the entire population of Aston or wherever it is, all of Blackburn but half of Lancashire I assume the good people of Accrington probably enjoyed it as well so we brought some joy into their lives and with it being either side of Christmas as well as we were driving in away from the match today, Michael did say to me that it's a bit of a shame that we have to plod through that absolute disaster which really has a relegation battle for the second half of the season written all over it. (laughs) But if we just take those two matches in isolation, it's impossible to think of how they could have been any better. And that's before we even get on to Gitano Berardi's contribution. Wonderful, that was The the level of mayhem in that last, that like clip of the goal is brilliant because you've got, it's unclear if Jansen might have scored it himself because of the way he's celebrating. And then it 
he's kind of off doing his own thing. There's the group in the corner. Mm. Then obviously yeah, it cuts to Brady, who looks like he's he's trying to fight. We, I mean, we've admired uh, Lamrani's biceps before. He's a big fella. And Berardi's just slinging him around like a rag doll. I, I don't know if they're trying to stop Berardi getting to the Blackburn fans and to beat every single one of them up to like rub their noses in it because obviously it'll have been fuming when they were all celebrating the what they thought was a winner. Mm. So I suspect he was trying to get to them to, to just make sure they know. And because their front part of their stand was empty, the West Stand B, you would have had to go up the gangway, climb over the fence as well. I reckon he'd been ripping him. seats and throwing them as he went. If you remember Victor Orta's celebration in, which game was it where he appeared from the side of the screen and started throttling uh, Angus Kinnear? There's something about it. It's good that it's happening in the, the director's spots and happening by the side of the pitch. What's got to be borne in mind with uh, Berardi's manhandling of uh, Lambrani, and I think he had the goalkeeper coach as well, um, one in each arm, is that Berardi is still about six weeks, two months away from actually being fit. So he's basically on one leg. So a one-legged half-fit Berardi is just so pumped up by what was going on. And Janssen's celebration as well, he got as far as, uh, he didn't get quite as far as the tunnel. He just kind of, he just collapsed on the floor. I think he was face down and then something must have happened in his mind because he suddenly looked up in alarm, looked at the referee and he's like, He's not disallowed it. And then his face just went straight back down into the grass again. So there must have been a nightmare moment for him. He's like, oh shit. Oh no, we're all right. I'm really pleased to see Berardi there though. Cause just cause I see it, sometimes injured players, I think just don't bother going to any games while they're injured. Mm. Like I, was, I was watching the Sunderland thing on Netflix and Darren Gibson was on it. And he at one point just says, oh, I've been injured. I've not been to a game in like ages, yeah. but I'm really hoping to get back soon. You think, what else are you doing on a Saturday? Just show a bit of interest. It was obviously, it was a, a vital match, but one of the best bits of footage from the Bristol Rovers promotion game in 2010, somebody filmed on their phone from just behind our bench and you've got uh, Paddy Kisnorbo on his crutches hobbling about and waving his crutches in the air and all the players who aren't playing and are all in seats, whether they were kind of injured or just not in the squad, are all just hugging each other and absolutely loving it because one thing that Grayson and Snowden were very good at was getting a lot of players is to love being and playing for Leeds United, which I guess they didn't quite crack at Sunderland from what I've gathered <laughs> from that, that that documentary. But it's something that Berardi will probably be like that anyway. But I think uh, the mix around that Berardi was celebrating in the midst of, there were a lot of other players around. Because once he came running, running onto the pitch afterwards, you could see Will Huffer going running up to Bailey Peacock Farrell and you could see the substitutes running onto the players who, would, who had played and everybody just being... One, happy with it. And two, I think probably amazed that something so weird and incredible had actually happened. It is proper once in a generation stuff because I look back to maybe that Derby game when we won 4-3 in, what was it, 95, 96, whenever? Mm-hmm. 97. The Southampton one. Yeah. The thing is, I was, I was at both of those and they weren't as good as this. Because once a game's in injury time, it's basically done. At best, you're going to score once. And the fact their goal was pretty much in injury time is that the yeah. whole thing, it'll never happen again, probably. Any... Concerns about our defensive um, frailties at the minute because we have conceded six goals in three games. It, Peacock Farrell's um, the transplant has been unsuccessful, hasn't it? <laughs> the um, <laughs> they've put. I think the bone has rejected. Yes, and he's been left with floppy arms, There's floppy no, forearms. Yeah, rather than strengthening him with four extra limbs, we've weakened the four limbs that he has. Even if you take into account his positioning on the free kick against Blackburn, the fact that he got he's hands right behind to it. it. More or less. And, and it still it goes in. Inside his post. I have reserv I mean, I know you hate him, but I have reservations about Peacock Farrell. But as hate we touched strong word. As we touched on, you know, some time ago now, it's kind of he's doing enough to stay in, but mm. in the absence of any other options, I, I'm concerned about he's perhaps not quite ready yet. I noticed today, because we talk about his distribution being vital to the game, and I noticed today it's not just his distribution, but he was actually standing at the back and he's ordering the players when to switch to the other wing. I think he's got a bigger job than just kind of pass the ball to feet when he's got it. He is kind of marshalling how we build attacks from the back. So getting somebody else who can kind of get up to speed and learn all that quickly will be a challenge. I think two things would help him. One, I think he could really do with a game where he keeps a clean sheet and makes maybe five good saves or three. I think one good save isn't going to do it. He needs just kind of, although his confidence never seems to be that low, I think it would just help everybody if he just had a really solid game and the other one I mean although yeah whole today we lost I was enjoying the fact that at the end we in the last uh, 
10 minutes of the match, we only had one defender on the pitch. That was Pontus Janssen, and he was playing up front. <laughs> so under those circumstances, we're probably going to put more pressure on the goalkeeper than a 22-year-old goalkeeper was probably going to be able to deal with all the time. And yeah, the two goals uh, today, I've not seen how we did on um, what happened when the ball got in the box for the second one. But the first one, if Calvin Phillips who is probably our player of the season so far, sticks his laces through the ball, then hold out score. The second one, if Adam Forshaw, who Bielsa says is our best player, passes properly. If Barry Douglas, who we paid millions of pounds for to play left-back, deals with a winger effectively, then the, the cross doesn't come across. So there's kind of, there's, there's other players contributing to the fact that we cannot defend and we don't have any centre-backs besides Pontus either as well. No. There is that to factor in. So, okay. Well, well there's, there's Halme. Arpo was on the bench, bench again today with his big face, waiting, just waiting for reflecting the floodlights and waiting for his chance. So we are still top. This is the good news, despite this blip today. Are we, are we just calling it a blip? We'll see. Before today happened, we'd kind of written down on the, the prep sheet about season-defining moments in the, the Villa and Blackburn game. This could turn out to be a season-defining moment, the, the moment that it all it all turns and... We start our slide down into the playoff places en route to our uh, defeat in the final at Wembley, which I'm still convinced is our fate. Give over now. Well, let's drop the P-bomb into this. Promotion, we probably need 90 points. That would get us up, which means we need 39 points from 21 games. Very doable. Very doable, given the chance we've given ourselves now. I mean, 90 points just generally for Leeds United sounds like a lot. Just in history, 90, really? Us? That many? Can't we 70-odd? Will that not be enough? We've we've got nearly as many points as we ended last season. That's what I mean. I think when are we not? When are we going to Greedy. be happy? Yeah, exactly. How much more do we want? We've got a season's worth of points already. We'll just sack it off now. It's fine. On the way, then we'll look at Forest and QPR, the games that are coming up in January, and picking our heroes and villains of the last week as well. On to this first, though, an update on the injuries. Pat Bamford, as we mentioned, missed Villa. Back in January, so in the next couple of weeks, maybe? Or four weeks, <laughs> depending how optimistic you want to be. I mean, this is what happens when players come back from long-term injuries, isn't it? Same with Izzy Brown. They get minor niggles on the way back to health. It was a bit of a shame that we'd released that kind of five-minute video of uh, Pat Bamford and Rob Price, the head of medicine, congratulating themselves on getting him back fit and how he'd scored the winning goal and everything's great and we're basically we're at the cutting edge of medical science because we've rebuilt Pat Bamford and then within minutes the rumours started that he'd, he'd gone again. Um, what is it this time? Uh, Knees again, was it? Yeah, I think he's like dropped off. It's hair, hair injury. It might have been. Did you see the Sky Sports video about striking technique with him? There's a little short clip of him. I think it's about five minutes of him kind of showing children how to, how to how to be a striker. It starts off, I mean, he's already, we've got him pegged down as posh. He doesn't help himself by saying, Hello, I'm Pat Bamford. I am Leeds United's number nine. Now I'm here to show you. I've gone into a, <laughs> a redneck style. Um, it's a thin line between posh Nottingham boys and, uh, and regular. But yeah, it's... It's like a like a sixth form. Uh, what do they call them? The prefect. Yes, sixth form prefect going to sh- show you the finer points of trigonometry technique. So I don't know if he uh, if he overstretched himself in that, or maybe his uh, butler hadn't heated up his slippers sufficiently before he got home one night, and he uh, he suffered from then on. Robert's back today, though. Was he any good? I thought he looked pretty sharp, actually. Yeah. I kind of forgot he existed a bit. He had that little spell, didn't he, when Roof was injured, and he did, he did all right. He did well then. But, it's only, is he 19, 20? Yeah, you, f- you kind of forget because we actually paid quite a bit of money for him and mm. he looks fairly bulky. And you West forget Brom, he's not a child. West Brom rated him as well, didn't he? But yeah, he dropped in. I don't think we've seen him play at 10 before, although he's done it for Wales. But I thought he was he was all right. There was at least one moment where he kind of took control of the ball and spent a long time turning and gave it to Hernandez. But Aileen, back out of nowhere. Well done, Rob Price. Frankenstein's uh, fullback. Yes, although with his hair looking as magnificent as ever, that's the one thing you've got to worry about when a player's out injured for that length of time. Are they going to come back with their hair looking as luscious? And I think Ailing has uh, recovered remarkably well. And no time in the under-23s before he just went straight back in as well. That was well, a bit odd. Is, yeah. What have we done? Yeah. <laughs> 
have they been playing involved in some kind of high level Tron simulation of what a real football game's like? Done that instead of actual game time. That photo of him as well celebrating uh, with the fans at Villa. That's gonna that's gonna be iconic for this season. He absolutely. Look, I think it wasn't just. Uh, what the photo doesn't capture is the way he went running to celebrate with the fans and then he walked away and then he and went, then went back. back again. He went, actually, no, I'm not finished. Yeah. Although it was an interesting contrast to, uh, and this is not in any way against him, but the fact that Kimar Roof, who scored that winner, went running over to the fans and nearly took his shirt off and then turned around and then just kind of walked back. And there was loads more celebrations went on. And as he was walking back, he got booked for his celebration anyway, mm. for sparking all that, which I thought was totally uh Yeah, for lifting unfair. his shirt over his face, is all he only got it sort of... I couldn't work out if it was for that or if it, or if he had gone into the crowd and then immediately come out again because you're not supposed to leave the field of play mm. or whether as goal scorer he was just held responsible for all the madness that followed. But he kind of had a, a weird reaction to his goal and he obviously went crazy and then maybe it's a bit like if you've seen the, the Christmas videos that the club have done with him in his Santa hat with his shades on looking the most serious he can. He kind of, he was about to go mentally, he went, Oh no, the persona! I've got to, I've got to try and play this cool and just like swaggered back to the halfway line. Like, yeah, it's fine. Last minute winner. I'm going to cut it even finer next week, so I'm not even going to bother celebrating this. Give me three days. And what of the other three? So Cooper, Dallas, and Brady. They all end of January still. I think Cooper was supposed to be during January. They put a little clip of him kicking the ball, haven't they? Yeah. So he's probably would have done better with booting the ball away than Calvin Phillips did today. Probably. I was, I was about to just say, actually, it'd be nice to have him back so we can get Phillips back into midfield. I think that's that we feels important. Then. Mentioned it from today's game, but the Blackburn game I thought I felt was a bit similar as well. We'd never really got a grip of it in midfield. And yeah. the problem is, well, we, we like to play out from the back and when we don't and have to kick it down the middle, there's not really anyone in midfield who's particularly physical anymore so mm. it kind of makes it fairly easy for them to win the ball back we're controlling games we're controlled against Blackburn and we were in control today but if it doesn't if we don't get an early goal or something we tend to start to go backwards a little bit mm. just kind of in terms of not that we're passing all the way back to Bailey Peacock Farrell all the time but just we kind of run out of ways to go forward and it could be because matches click today when at the start of the second half he was immediately caught in possession and he looked like he'd left his head in the dressing room and he's one player who I think he's probably played just about every game he'll be up there with the top appearances and there was a game a few weeks ago at Ellen Road I can't remember which one it was but towards the end of it it looked like he was running through treacle with a steam engine on his back that he was dragging out of the mud um, and treacle Quite a, quite the predicament he'd got himself into. Because um, Forshaw's come in off of a, a late start to the season. Clicks just played pretty much all the time. It might not be a good idea to just, a little bit of the Alioski effect, that he just needs a break, he just needs something to kind of snap him back into being good again. And that might be pissing off to the under-23s and just taking a rest for a little bit and getting some shooting practice. Because I think he shot about 10 times against Holden. That's no way has, uh, has ruined him. Yeah. Has he scored since we started singing that about him? I don't think he has. Jinxed no. by a song, amazing. Jinxed by a song. Well, window is open, transfer window, in about, what, 36 hours from now. I can hear Jim do, White do. in the distance. Do, 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 do. <laughs> so um, any new face will need to add significant and immediate capability to the first team, says Angus Kinnear. Mm-hmm. Do you think we're going to get anybody? Obviously, we were linked to uh, Bowen at Hull, who scored twice today. He was- can go fuck himself. That was shut down by Phil Hay, said there's nothing in it. And Come. then he shut it, shut it down himself by being an absolute knobhead. Scoring twice and celebrating like a wanker. But I do hope he leaves Hull. Yeah, he should leave Hull and goes to Scunthorpe. Just his career just like takes a nosedive <laughs> from this point. Or down, tumbling through the league. Scunthorpe, Grimsby, Lincoln. Who else is on the East Coast? Not Norwich. Skegness Town? Yes. Although, whatever. Like Spartans, they've got North Korean sponsorship now. Well, there we go. Send him to North Korea. <laughs> so we don't want him and he wasn't coming anyway. We were also linked with Carl Darlow, the keeper at um, Newcastle, but Benitez said they're not selling. He's too far up the pecking order. Yeah, they've only got six goalkeepers, so they, they're not... But then uh, he did say Rob Elliott is kind of available, didn't he? Is he a goalkeeper? He is a... Yes. Okay. I thought, is he not a left-back? I think, yeah, I think you're thinking of, me. I think you're thinking of the the guy who was playing 20 years ago. Uh, not still not still around? No, I think he'd be in his 50s. I mean, Robbie Keane's only just retired. <laughs> that is true. But no, they do have a goalkeeper called Rob Elliott. It's apparently quite... Do- 
decent enough. It's not quite on the level of trying to sign Dennis Irwin and selling Eric Cantona, but it's a little bit going in for one player and coming back with another. In fact, I know exactly what it's like. It's like Fotherby spending half his life going around Europe trying to find to sign Espria, Ruben Souza, Gabriel Batistuta, who was the big lanky Czech striker, Thomas Skaravi, and then eventually coming back years later with uh, what used to be Thomas Brolin, but is now just a and a Frank Strandley. Frank Strandley was in that that mix as well. Well, Strandley came right at the start because he was the uh, replacement for Cantona. Mm. We sold Cantona, and then we bought, we paid the money for Strandley, and then let, had to let him finish his national service, and then he joined, and then. Two things happened in one game against Middlesbrough. Batty scored and Strandley scored his first goal. And uh, that was pretty much it for Fat Fat Frank. Update on Robbie Elliott. Shares Jesus' birthday, 25th of December. And Gary McAllister's. That's what I meant. And he just turned 45 years old, Robbie Elliott. And this is the one we're trying to sign. I'm not sure, but he's currently the strength coach for the United States under-20s men's football team. You see, that's the kind of thing that might catch Bielsa's eye because he does like strength coaches and, you know, he's plucking him from obscurity if he's dealing with the US. Did he play for us once? Yeah. You may remember he was uh, interviewed by Rob Conlon in the Squareball magazine at the, uh, I think it was issue one this season, about his time at Leeds. And I think he was very good on David Batty, who we just mentioned, said that he basically just didn't speak, very stern, as you'd expect. I think he said, yeah, you didn't know if David Batty was um, either the nicest man in the world or a serial murderer. I think that was the vibe he, he I got think from Batty. Probably both. Although it was a, a very good, well written interview by Rob. He'd done great getting it. Most response from our readers was, did Rob Elliott played for us? Well, actually, no, it's Robbie Elliott. And as Wikipedia, I'm looking at it in front of me now, it says not to be confused with Rob Elliott oh. or Rob Elliott. Would <laughs> be a terrible mistake to make. So are we signing a goalkeeper though? I guess that's the big thing. I think we should. Yeah. I think let's get one. Let's get John Lukic. If yeah. Liverpool are going to win the league, we're going up. Just get Lukic back. Well, you want to take it back to the late 80s? Is yeah. that what you think? Liverpool winning the league was getting promoted. Mervyn Day? Yeah. Because we don't want to save John Lukic until we're promoted. We'll get Mervyn Day, Mervyn Day back. I was thinking about this. I mean, I know it's nearly 30 years ago, but that promotion season, 89-90, last time we got promoted from this division, we only had Mervyn Day. Our reserve goalkeeper was Neil Edwards, who was about 19 and was about five foot seven. <laughs> Went on to have a decent career, surprisingly, but when Day got injured, we did. We got Chris Turner in on loan from Sheffield Wednesday, two games. So we kind of, we've done this before with a, with one goalkeeper. The game may have changed. I believe that there have been alterations to football since 1989, but the the principle is there. The, the standard has been set. Mervyn Day now 63. <laughs> yeah, we may as well just get him back. Who knows what the medical team can do? For him. <laughs> yeah, we should probably just sign like a decent young uh, goalkeeper who has played in the last 25 years. I suspect we'll go for uh, for experience, won't we? As we, you were saying about players being up to speed with the system, we'll go for somebody who's relatively experienced at this level uh, yeah. to play second fiddle. Yeah, I think that's it. I think it's kind of, I'm not too concerned about Bailey Peacock Farrell being our number one goalkeeper at the moment for as long as we're winning games. But I am concerned that if he gets to the point where Bielsa does want to drop him like he did before, or that if he gets knackered, if he gets injured, we've only got Will Huffer and Kamal Miazic. So it's one area where you just need somebody. Just returning to Patrick Bamford, he's been looked at by Republic of Ireland at the minute as a potential international, if you are to believe the uh, the press reports. Mm-hmm. Patrick, eligible. I mean, I've never been entirely sure how Barnsley's Mick McCarthy has ever been eligible for Ireland, but... Mick has done what uh, Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane, I think, could never be bothered doing, which is seeing if they can find some better players. Um, for Pat Bamford to get to, what is he now, 25, and only now somebody at Ireland has gone. Did you not check check that fella Patrick that's playing in the championship? Mm. See if he can play for us. So, uh, yeah, it could be an international. That might. Um, I hope there's not some kind of boost in his contract or I hope we wrote in that if he makes his debut for England we have to give uh, Middlesbrough another million and if he uh, yes you get the joke I'm just nobody seems to be enjoying it though just a point of clarity as with Robbie Rob Elliott Pato Bamford not to be confused with Pato Banton when is he coming back he's due a comeback unless 
put him in Rob Price's hands. He'll he'll sort him right out. Birthdays happened over this week. You mentioned McAllister before Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. Um, Becchio turned thirty-five. What did you send him? Is it still your used underpants? That kind of thing. <laughs> He's had enough of my used underpants now. Thirty-five, not that old. I mean, yeah, younger than me <laughs> compared to Mervyn Day and uh, some of the other. <laughs> Some of the other candidates that we've got, Becchio, if Pat Bamford gets injured on Irish international duty, we might want to look into bringing uh, Becchio back because Rob Price and his team could probably make a a 25-year-old out of him. And if we had 25-year-old Luciano Becchio back, this might just be the best season ever. And John Charles would have turned 87 years old as well through this week. Do we want to wonder what Rob Price could still do with him? (laughs) Probably not for the best but what a player I mean he, he's one of those players actually out of all the, the players that you see hanging around like I wish I'd seen all the Revy era players but for some reason always drawn towards John Charles just because the, the idea of having a centre back and a centre half mind you Bielsa yeah. you get it now don't you I guess there's a slight appeal to John Charles as well because footballers of that era looked shambolic generally but John Charles looked like an absolute Adonis he was just like a very large barrel chested bloke in an era when footballers could smoke like 20 a day still and Drink pints at half time and stuff. That is actually exactly what Major Frank Buckley said when John Charles was placed in front of him, age 17, when they got him up from Swansea. He said, I was confronted by an Adonis of a youth. <laughs> because I think he was a he was a right half when he came to Leeds and it was Buckley who got him to play, trained him to play centre half by, he, made, he used to make him head the crossbar for <laughs> half an hour after training. <laughs> He used to have to jump up and just head smack his head off the crossbar to get to get him used to, which uh, was probably made out of asbestos in those days or something. <laughs> Buckley, I know Bielsa is getting all the credit for being El Loco. Some of the Buckley stuff is incredible. He was told off. Um, is Buckley the monkey glands? The monkey glands. <laughs> he he started. It was at. Uh, Hang on a second, Rob Rob Price's ears are pricked up here. <laughs> it was at Wolves when he started um, injecting the players with extract of monkey <laughs> serum uh, to improve that, and he carried it on at, at Leeds. Get off the nets! What are you climbing up the stand for? But it, um, come down. When he came to Leeds, the the supporters club had just paid to put in a public address system for the first time, so they could play records and make announcements. And he, when he used to train uh, on the Elland Road pitch, he used to sit in the west stand with a microphone, yelling at the players through the public address system until people living up Wes- Wesley Street and on the streets around complained about his swearing, and that <laughs> their mornings were being interrupted by this ex-military major Frank Buckley turning all the air across Beast and Blue, yelling at. John Charles headbutt a fucking crossbar. <laughs> but yeah, John. I was thinking about John Charles earlier today, actually, because some people, I overheard some people talking about how Cristiano Ronaldo hasn't really worked out at Juventus, that he's probably, I think he's going to miss 50 goals in a calendar year for the first time in however many years, and that he'll be, he's only scored 14 since going there. And I thought, good, because... John Charles is the successful striker at Juventus and for Ronaldo to not be even able to come close to the contribution John Charles made at Juventus is a is a point of pride. Yeah. Anything anything that pisses him off makes me happy and anything that boosts the the legend of the gentle giant uh, also makes me happy. You speak about calendar years there in mm-hmm. reference to uh, fake Ronaldo but Worth pointing out, you know, we finished 2017 with a defeat away to Birmingham, who were bottom at that time, and Thomas Christensen was still our boss. And we were fifth in the table at that point, before a second half slides towards 13th under Heckingbottom, who arrived in February. What do you reckon to it as a calendar year then? It's been interesting, probably the most interesting I can think of for many a year. Yeah, I'd not really thought of it as a calendar year. I kind of thought we were a lot lower than that. I, I thought I felt like the dream was already over by Christmas of last year. It, it turns out not. Maybe it, it just it was just looking so bad by that stage. I think, no, I think by Christmas last year, we were still kind of lulling ourselves into believing, but they were mint just now. Mm. We were top of the table. We had the best start to a season for years. And we had that BBC article that said, could this be the year that they go back up that seems to coincide with everything going wrong? And yeah, I think it was up until we played Newport in the FA Cup. Mm. Everyone was still like, no, it's just a blip. We're still a good team. Thomas Christensen will, will sort this out. And then once Saez spat at that fella who tripped him up, never let it be forgotten. He was provoked <laughs> and no action was taken against the Provoki. Uh, or the provocateur. <laughs> I don't know provocateur? why. I, I don't know why I said provocateur instead of provocateur. <laughs> There's perfectly acceptable words that exist instead of <laughs> fucking making one up. And yeah, that was the point. 
where it all went wrong. But yeah, it is weird. Because didn't we play Forest on New Year's Day last year at home? We always seem to play them at Boxing Day or New Year's Day. Yeah, and it was one of the worst games. Was it nil-nil and it was rubbish? I, it was, was the it second, one and it was, it was, was it not the second? It was like the first year in ages where we didn't have a, a New Year's That's Day fixture right. because of how it fell. But it was our first game of the year and it was bloody awful. So there may be a maybe a good test of how we do against Forest on New Year's Day to see how, how far we've come. Because one of the things I mentioned before, this is the game that we're in the minutes after losing to Hull. But to be ending the game with one defender on the pitch and he's our striker... And we're going, we're still going for a win and thinking we might be able to win in stoppage time, even though we're 2-0 down, is such a big change. Not necessarily from Thomas Christensen, but compared to uh, the Heckingbottom era, I couldn't wait to get out of the stadium when Heckingbottom was our manager. And And I even was prepared to give that fucker a chance. But he was like, yeah, you get to five minutes from the end, it's like, oh, can I just go home? Whereas now you want to stay because Pontus Janssen's in attack. Adam Forshaw is, has gone in nets. <laughs> Bailey Peacock Farrell's on the right wing and there's still a chance that Kemar Roof might actually score three goals. Have you noticed that the Could This Be The Year articles all started popping out this week and we've rounded off this week with a defeat? It's the same story repeating itself again. I mean, I'm still sticking to my guns that we lose in the playoff final. I still think that's that's what's going to happen. So now is possibly the time it needs to turn. We've got to start losing some games soon. <laughs> Michael? Uh, all logic says we're going up, but I can't, I can't bring myself. I think we'll somehow, I'm, I'm with you probably, just drop to West Brom or Pippers to second by a point and then we'll lose in the playoffs. The only thing I would say kind of to counteract our own fear is that today the other thing that happened today was Frank Lampard's Derby County turning the tables on Norwich and scoring two late goals to come from behind and beat them. So even on a day when we've not been at our best and we've lost the hole, we've still managed to retain some of that Villa and Blackburn magic and use it through the medium of Frank Lampard, who is, I guess, I don't know, is he Paul Daniels in this to cast a spell against Norwich? Who's Debbie McGee? Luciano Becchio. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Right, stick about then for the new year preview that's coming up for you after this. We delve into heroes and villains. First of all, the Ken Bates Villainy Award originally conceived for somebody who's inflicted misery upon us across the week as Leeds fans. Ken? It goes in there for what? It felt tenuous when Ken was still around. We're getting even more tenuous now. How can we cobble together a nomination for him now? He'll have ruined Christmas somewhere. Yeah, he'll have spoiled somebody's Christmas. And it's just generally, he always gets nominated for this because just the knowledge that he's still alive. 2019, there's no place for Ken Bates in 2019. He needs to stay out of it. Tenuous reasons aside then, who are we going to add to this then? Nominations for inflicting misery or just being a little little bit anti-leads. 
I've not seen any post-match comments. Just don't like the look of the guy, Nigel Adkins. What? Just it strikes me as a smug geography teacher who's trying to sleep with your mum. Probably. <laughs> it's kind of like a it's kind of like a poor man's pardew in that slightly creepy, suave-ish be, be careful. kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I had a too good a view of them celebrating Hull's second goal today and the whole bench kind of jumping in the air and fist punching and being able to hear his slightly squeaky Scouse accent mm. coming out of Adkins' mouth was not pleasant. I mean, we were talking before about whether they'd tactically defeated Bielsa. All I heard from him all day was just going, Press! Press! And it got right up my nerves. So I'm happy to support that. But we've also... Uh, it's petty. I mean, we, he's not, done nothing wrong, really, but... We, he, he managed... Just well, it's about people who've contributed to the misery of being a Leeds yeah, fan. True. We could have come in here, eight wins in a row, three wins over Christmas. I dread to think how much excess we would have been affording ourselves. Instead, he's ruined all that. Wouldn't it have been best since the 1930s, the last time we won eight in a row or something ridiculous? Nigel Adkins is going to go home tonight, he's going to pour himself a glass of shit red wine because he's obviously got no good taste. I'll sit there and he'll go like, yeah, done it, showed them, and I don't like that. And Dean Smith gets nominated for the similar reasons of just him being uh, annoyed about us celebrating a last-minute winner. When, and we've seen in between Tony Mowbray, good guy. I think I've never really had anything against Tony Mowbray. No, he's got one of those faces. It's hard to hate that face. It's too it's too strange to hate. Face yeah. like an elbow. Yeah. We had at least a little of an example of what management against Leeds should be like from Mowbray and Bielsa as well, because uh, he w- was trying to put a stop to all our celebrations and made sure he went over to Tony Mowbray at the end. And they even got... Um, Carlos Corbran had to come over and translate what Bielsa was saying to him. You could see when Mowbray got the gist, he was like, thank you so much, I appreciate that. So the mutual respect, whereas I hope that in the uh, in the tunnels after this game, Bielsa just went up to Atkins and smacked him. <laughs> so it's a bit of a race, really. It's between uh, Smith and Atkins as to which manager we've... It's been, I was going to say, it's been a fairly misery-free week, so I, I think I feel like we've got to give it to Adkins because of the defeat. Yeah. I kind of wanted to throw the referee in um, from today as well, just because he ended up booking Janssen and Alioski because they were forced to do his job for him because yep. he was essentially not making someone walk off the pitch at a normal pace um, and then someone was trying to take a throw in from 20 yards further forward yep. and it took Alioski grabbing it and going, go back to there and then he booked our players for it. Janssen wasn't really doing anything wrong, I don't think. No, he just he took a grip of the player and kind of was walking with him and the player lashed out at Janssen and then they both got booked and then Alioski, I think, you know how you sometimes players get booked for accumulating too many fouls? I think Alioski got... Uh, yeah, booked for accumulating too many instances of trying to stop time wasting. <laughs> so you're absolutely right. He was doing his job for him. I once got booked, you know, I was uh, in the intramural league, like the university league where you just play against a lot of other like, students or whatever. I once got booked when I was in Nets for appealing for offside. Stuck with me to this day. And then afterwards, the ref said, I won't report you for that, so you won't have to pay the fine. I was <laughs> for appealing for offside. I mean, there are certain things you are allowed to do in football, but it's it's been a frustration because teams keep doing it whenever they take the lead against us. But if you start just booking the players that are time-wasting, then our players don't have to then get involved. And maybe there's an argument that, yeah, Janssen should keep himself to himself and cut out the back heels and the Cruyff turns and, and not try and be the referee and all this sort of stuff. But maybe the referee should referee the game. And then we wouldn't have to. Adkins, then, is he having it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I hate that. I hate that prick. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of um, Janssen's Cruyff term, that can go in for the heroes as well. The Andy Hughes Hero Award for somebody who's brought joy to our existence as Leeds fans. That certainly was a beautiful moment. I mean, it was. And also the uh, the moment against Aston Villa when, um, who was the player who was sprinting at him? Tammy. It was Tammy Abraham. and Janssen. He doesn't get enough stick for having such a dreadful name either. <laughs> Janssen thought he was going to have a hard time tackling him and uh, Abraham just tripped over. And it was a long time before Janssen stopped laughing, which was beautiful. Who else then has brought joy to us? Kimar Roof banging in goals late, late, late. Yeah, obvious one. But yeah, you can't exclude him really. No. I want to throw in uh, Lewis Baker. I don't know what he's done. but he, There's a chance, I think, that he's the greatest motivational speaker in the world because... He's appeared on the sidelines twice in full kit and within a minute or two, we've scored goals and he's, had, he's just sat back down. He's work done. Happened yep. both at Villa and against Blackburn, that, didn't it? Yep. Is that Obielsa's just showing him to the rest of the team? You're like, this guy will be on the pitch within a few minutes if you don't score a goal. For you. And you. Yeah. And you. 
He's You'll either... be playing alongside him. Just think what that's going to be like. <laughs> he was threatening them with Shackleton today for quite a long he time was. as well. Had Which the... is harsh because Shackleton's good. He should have, he should have deployed uh, his, his usual me- weapon at this point. <laughs> Uh, Pablo's been scoring assists. Is that the right word? Accumulating assists for fun anyway. He's doing great stuff. He's bringing a lot of sunshine and happiness to our life, even though you said he was shit today. <laughs> yeah, I was going to immediately defer to Michael. I, I always get grief for criticising, mildly criticising any Leeds United You've player. never criticised Pablo. You've never criticised Well, well he's, he's over the age of 20, so he's going to do, isn't he? It's yeah. these, these youngsters who he's got the agenda against. But I, I would like Child to, hater. to at least put it out there that you think Pablo Hernandez is shit. I think that's your, your quote, isn't it? You yeah, hate yeah, him and you wish it, it was him who'd gone back to Spain. And I, I don't like how he's putting words in your mouth here, Michael. It's, I mean, it's not that's not strictly my opinion on him. But you, you've you been a long-term Pablo fan. I, I, I think the early... I like him more the longer he's here. He, yeah, he's, I'm happy for um, him to go in. He's, he's been doing more nutmegs. Although I noticed a whole player blocking a nutmeg today. How do, He should have been in for the villainy, actually. He should. If I, if I knew who it was, he'd be in. Well, can we apply retrospective action? <laughs> we'll, we'll look back at the video. We'll oh, no, it's, it. it's against Leeds, of course. We can't apply retrospective <laughs> reaction. Who else then? Berardi for his celebration. That's got to be right up there, I think. And also just so he doesn't ever do that to us. If he won the award, though, he might come in and celebrate that. So no. let's not give him it. No. And Marcelo Bielsa as well for just making us good again. And mm. for being so angry with the last minute winner. Just pointing. Yes. Screaming Stop. at people. Stop celebrating, get back and defend the restart. It's not just the the week that we're thinking about with Bielsa, is it? It's really it's probably just everything since July to now. Because we mentioned how this year had gone. Just imagine the decided at the end of the season. You know what? Heckingbottom, he's done a lot of work to get ready for 2018-19. He went to he's, Myanmar, fair play to him. He went all the way to Myanmar. He's lined up signing Yayadom. So... Why don't we just stick with him? And if we'd, if we'd stuck with him, Bielsa wouldn't be here. And what a what a weird world it would be. What I mean, in July or June when it started coming out, it was impossible to imagine that Marcello Bielsa could actually be Leeds United manager. And now on the, whatever it is, the 29th of December, it's impossible to imagine Marcello Bielsa not being Leeds United manager. And quite frankly, we know it's going to happen eventually and I'm terrified. Yeah, um, well, we've referred already to the effect he has on Chile, where they describe all the Chilean fans are the widows of Bielsa. We know that we've got this in the future, and perhaps one of the few ways to convince him to stay even a little bit longer is to give him the Andy Hughes uh, Hero of the Week award. <laughs> Into the new year then now, 2019 we are looking at, with Forest away, the first game on, New Year's Day, back on Sky again. It's been a while. Karanka said to be on the brink, if he's still there as it happens right now. Apparently he's fallen out with his players. I mean, isn't that what always happens with Karanka character? People have talked about him coming to Leeds because, well, he took Middlesbrough up, didn't he, and then took him down again, like the Grand Old Duke of York, Grand Old Duke of Teesside. But I've never really worked out what he's good at. What he is good at is when I looked back at, uh, you know, Kimar Roof's handball, uh, the Kimar Radonna goal, there's a beautiful moment where after the goal's been given, Karanka looks at the fourth official and the fourth official just kind of looks at him and shrugs and you can see the defeat in Karanka where he just goes, they're just going to give the goal and he turns away and it's absolutely beautiful. As we said in podcasts previous, we don't care. No. So I hope they, they've lost to Millwall today apparently, but I hope uh, I hope that doesn't... Steve Morrison didn't score. Right. <laughs> that helps. That might have been enough to finish him off. A sentence we've heard many times before. Did Tom Elliott score? No. Have they still got Byram and, and is Bridcott there as well? Byram is there. I think, unfortunately, Byram is injured again, from what I can gather. That's he's Warnock's fault. Yeah. Yeah. He's now 25. And I'm starting to worry because I always like little Sam. But yeah, he's only made like one substitute appearance. I think he had another comeback and it's just, it's not happening. Bridcott is there, fully fit as far as I'm aware. They brought, he's made one substitute appearance, totaling one minute of football in Nottingham Forest's first team this season. So... Another player who, after he'd, for months after he'd gone, we were talking about how much we needed him back. And Forrest, who are considerably worse than we are, uh, don't seem all that bothered about keeping him. I'm glad Karanka, if, assuming he does hold on to his job this evening, I'm glad he hasn't been fired yet, because you don't want that, that relief, that new manager bounce, do you? Or The one we got with Heckingbottom. Yeah, that one. Forest is just one of those clubs a little bit like us, really, that seem to have occasional moments of you think, oh, they're getting stuff together, eh? maybe they're going to... And then they just fall apart. Do you think we've got to that point now where we look at every game, like this one, like Hull was today, because they were just swimming around in mid-table. Forest are as well. 
where you think we should win every game and we go into every game thinking we probably could do with winning it? I think when you're top of the league, there's kind of an expectation that when you come against, against Forest, I don't know, where, where are they in the league? The about 11th. So where we used to be, you kind of, because we used to be routinely beaten by teams who were top of the league. So you kind of feel like we need to be doing that to, uh, to all the teams. And there's nothing about Nottingham Forest that I look at. And I think we need some of that. That's, that's going to be dangerous. Who scored.com? Oh God. <laughs> they claim their, their strengths are, uh, stealing the ball from the opposition, creating long shot opportunities, which I mean, surely this means like giving the ball to a midfielder, like 40 yards out and finishing scoring chances, I suppose. It is worth noting that they are very weak at protecting the lead. But they steal the ball, they're thieves. They are thieves uh, and they don't give it to the poor. (laughs) I was going to say the tradition of Robin Hood, yes, there you go. um, But the best best thing Hoosgaard has to say about them is that they are very weak at protecting the lead. So unlike today, when Hull went up and then scored another, I think if they do take the lead, we could be on for another Aston Villa or another Blackburn. Because that would be fun. How do you think this one's going to go, Michael? A nice regulation win. That's all I want now. I've realised in when you were talking about what we should expect from games, why I'd, I'd just be an abysmal football manager because I'd already panicking. There's like half a season left and I'm thinking, oh shit, we need to win this. I'd maybe we'd just get a draw. Maybe a draw's good enough in this one. And yeah, you're quite right. But, but Bielsa's, he knows what he's doing, I think. I think he'll, I think he'll try and win a game, which is more than I'd do, which would be panic. Given we were trying to win from 2-0 down with a minute left, I think we will try to win the game. I think we will win. I think, I'm going to say, I think this might be the Bailey Peacock Farrell match. I think we're going to keep a clean sheet. As I said before, I think this might be the one where he gets some uh, some saves. Lewis Grabbin is still there, hasn't it? Isn't he? They've is, not yeah. got rid of him. So he'll make three good saves from Lewis Grabbin. We'll score twice. Alioski's going to get one of them. Yeah. He likes scoring at Forest. Yeah, we'll we'll repeat that, that whole trick. Um, and we'll win 2-0 and that will be a great start to the year. And QPR away, is this one an unwelcome distraction or maybe just a chance to have a bit of respite? Bring back Billy Whitehouse and the Mackay brothers or whoever. Can we just... get Grot back? Yeah. What's Lasaga doing? Do you think he might fancy this? Just play a bad team in this. Let's just get out of the thing. That seems very on Bielsa. I don't even want to go ha- I don't want to go half-hearted at it though and play some of the first team. I want to just play a full reserve team so you can get knocked out and go, what do you expect? It's the reserve team. I think you're you're right though. There's an element with Bielsa where I think, although promotion is the priority, he may have his eye on a FA Cup double, <laughs> which we'd take. I mean, absolutely. He he said earlier in the scene because when he was asked about the Carabao Cup, he said, "I'd love to go as far as possible because I've never managed at Wembley." So if he had an eye on winning that, we were going for a treble at one point. And- Full strength team then. Yep. It's going to be, I mean, it? he'll play the full strength team in the under twenty threes if he thought he could get away with it. He just he's, and I'm sure he's he's said while he's been here that his thinking behind that is that there's not much difference between intense training and playing a game. So it keeps players fit. Footballers exist to play football. So if there's a football match, they play. It's an existential statement. Yeah, I would just have to cope with it. Yeah, I just cons- it, if it is going to be the game where Phillips and Janssen collide and both suffer fractured skulls and are out for the rest of the year. That's the danger, isn't it? That is the danger. But yeah, they could right. do that walking into the canteen. You know, it's, there's always a, a risk. It's like when Bamford got injured in the under-23s the first time and um, was it under-23 games again when he kind of injured himself a bit or Izzy Brown got injured. It was like, why are we playing with the under-23s? Well, they're going to play at some point and they could be injured at any point. Lobby dead soon. I mean, we all just... I mean, it's, it's a bleak way to finish the year, but... We all just end up as dust in the long run, so... <laughs> so why don't we just play a first team against QPR and try to win the FA Cup? <laughs> At least we get an extra day's rest after the Christmas run. I mean, it does push us another day closer to the Derby game being on a Friday, but given that we've been playing the game every couple of days, it's probably for the best, isn't it, that we have a rest? And uh... I think so. There was the, We were looking a bit tired against Hull and... We referred to it earlier about what Click was saying about the stress. And before losing to Hull, I hoped we won, but I was kind of hoping it wasn't going to be another 3-2 last minute thing because I can't cope with that every three days. Just a few calm victories followed by a few calm defeats as we plummet into the playoff places. <laughs> well, this is I, where I'm I'm quite comfortable I was with. going to say, if you look at the January fixtures, I mean, apart from Rotherham away, mm. back end of January, we've got Derby home, Stoke away, Norwich at home, Middlesbrough away, Swansea at home. This is this the season-defining run? That Norwich game might be about 12-all, potentially. 
live on Sky, of course, they've picked it. So probably going to be a nil-nil. Grind it out just to piss Don Goodman off. We could play out an Italian draw, you never know. We've kind of had this this dream run of, of seven wins and it is true to win at all in the championship, to win a match is really difficult. To win seven is almost unheard of. But to be then, you look at these fixes like, oh yeah, it's pretty real next year, isn't it? We have to play all those teams again. <laughs> Damn, they're making us do that, are they? Bollocks. And we'll wrap up by saying, check us out on the socials, the square ball across the platforms. Issue six of our magazine will be out for that Derby game. Check that one out. We'll have a full preview online as well of what's coming up in that. Uh, issue five still on sale as well if you want to check it out online. Also online on the website, Winter Clobber. If you fancy getting some stuff with your Christmas spending money, uh, jumpers, hoodies, t-shirts, all that stuff can be found at the squareball.net. And if you fancy supporting us here doing this, digital subscription, grab yourself one of those. It's a pound a month. You get all the mags and we'll continue to bring you all this uh, this highbrow chat. I've got nothing to say to that. Last one of 2018, gents, before we sign off. Final word. How are we feeling? It's been all right, really. Top of the league, aren't we? It's, it could be worse. This is this this is fine. Yeah, I don't know how to really... I can't process being top of the league. I'm almost... We would have been if even if Norwich had beaten Derby, or wouldn't we? I don't know. Yeah, on goal uh, difference, yeah. But now there's a gap. Oh, it's all very strange. I don't know. I just don't know what the future holds. I might just go and live in the past. <laughs> we do that quite well, don't we? Should we just see what 2019 brings? Monkey glands. <laughs> the Square Ball Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.